This episode is being brought to you by Speedweed. Speedweed is America's most trusted name in medical marijuana delivery. For more information, go to www.speedweed.com. Enjoy. <coughs> What's up, Yoshi? Obayashi. It's always funny intro. <laughs> what? What? You know, I've been living in LA for a year and four months. And Saturday was the first time that I went into the Pacific Ocean. Oh, is that right? Yeah. You know, I can't believe it took me so long to go in the water. Because if you tell locals that they've been here for a long time, that you've been like beach like three days in a row, like, oh, you're near here. Because I never really go. I mean. When's the last time you went in the water? Um, is it something that tourists do or something? Oh, my God. What do you mean water? Like completely like. In the ocean. like Just like a foot. Oh, you only put a foot in? Because it's cold. Um, I can't even remember. I don't know. Late 1990s. <laughs> oh, my God. Really? What? Oh, you know what? No, well, I take it back. I think now that I remember 2004 or five. My oh, fo- wow. My former boss had, uh, used to have a beach house in Malibu. So we had a party, and like, I think I jumped in that one time. But other than that, it's like if you live in Vegas, you, you know, if you live there, you're, you're not going to go strip all the time. Yeah. It's just there. Oh, my God. Well, what prompted you to go? Well, I was just in San Diego and like... Oh, La Jolla. I was like staying on the beach. Right. And so it was just right there. So it was just easily accessible. Was this the comedy store condo? Yeah. Okay. How dirty was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't dirty at all. Oh, really? Yeah. It was really nice, actually. And then I went in the water and it was so nice. I haven't been in the water. I didn't go. But isn't that true, too? You live in Miami. How often do you go into water there? I try to go, like, once a month. Like, oh, you do? Oh, never mind. Yeah, I think it's good for you to, like, get grounded. Yeah. Because when you touch the earth, like, literally get grounded. When you touch the earth, all these signals and Wi-Fi and electronics that we're around, it fucks with our body. And we need to reconnect with the earth to sort of take all these negative ions out right i mean i'm not using any of the correct terminology (laughs) (laughs) but you get the gist of what i'm saying right yeah right yeah it's like really be one with the nature yeah so it's really good for us to touch the ground like literally and and doing it at the beach is a nice way to do it because there's water and i didn't know that the atlantic ocean is hot and the pacific ocean is cold it wasn't just like that time of year or something? Time of the year or something? or I mean, it's April, the, but people told me the water's always cold on this side. And the mm. water's always hot in Miami. And I don't really like going in the water in Miami. Is that like, right? Like, I'll go in. It's fine. But the water is so warm. I mean, the water's warm, so it's nice. But I I prefer just sitting on the sand in Miami. But in California, oh my God. I can't believe I've been like fucking... Staying indoors and podcasting when I could have been like jumping in the ocean because it feels so good on my body. Like, La Jolla was a little different. Was it packed or was it isolated kind of? No, it was a lot of people. Oh, okay. Yeah, a I lot much, of people on the beach. I much prefer when there's no one there. Yeah. But. Um, I don't mind it if there's people there. I think it, it's nice. Like I, mm-hmm. like I went out onto the beach 
And I looked down, up and down. Like I didn't realize that it kind of has a curve. Yeah. That beach. Did you go by yourself or wait to the headliner? No, I just went by myself. And I was trying to get Donald to come, but he didn't want to go. He said, "Black people don't like cold water." I was going to say something. <laughs> that's, that's why they love Miami. I didn't know the difference in temperature. You didn't know that? I never really paid. Well, I haven't been in the water. But <laughs> yeah, like when I used to come out here when I lived in New York or Boston and I yeah. came out here, like I would always make a point to like go to the beach because I had nothing to do. Right. And I didn't know where all the podcasts were being recorded. I didn't know that people did stuff during the day. So I just would like go to the beach. That's kind of weird. Now that I think about it, when I was living up in Washington State, I used to take my dog to the beach. That was fun. But you don't really jump in Washington State. It's always cold, pretty much, you know? Wow, it must be freezing up there. Freezing, but... Nobody, uh, nobody goes in the water? Well, not in the area that I went, but the dog go crazy. Just love the ocean, you know? Yeah. And, um, but, no. I mean, whenever I drive by the ocean, it's beautiful, but I think, like, holy fuck, parking's a hassle, walking across is a hassle. There's just too many people, you know? Yeah. The place that my boss used to have, or maybe still does, it's really nice, right? It's just like a dead center of the posh area in Malibu, you know? He has private access to the beach. Yeah. yeah. And but Russell, well, Russell Peters still have a home in Malibu, but he had no desire to go into the ocean every day. He didn't care. It's nice to see the ocean when you get up in the morning. That's amazing. When you wake up in the morning, you know... You have birds waking up. You hear the animal raise, you know, waking up. Do you go outside and there it is, the ocean? It's, it was a beautiful view. It is really nice. Yeah. It is really nice, like to hear. Where, that's the, where the life comes. Hear the yeah. ocean. Mm-hmm. That's where the remnants of the Japanese earthquake shore up. Fukushima, yeah, yeah. I used to say like a. It took like two and a half, three years for that debris from Fukushima heading Pacific, uh, Pacific Northwest or California. I used to say like, well, I guess I get to see my grandmother finally. <laughs> uh, I got a bunch of people complaining about it. You said that on stage? Stage, and I might have tweeted, but it's always the Asian group complaining about oh, that. Oh, they yeah. complain about you too? Yeah, but they know that I don't care what they say. Yeah. What did? And plus, I'm a man too, you know. So it's disrespectful to tell a man what to do, but not a woman? Come on. You know that. That's Asian 101. <laughs> I know. And the fact that I don't give a fuck that they are so upset about it gets them even madder, right? Have you thought about this? I mean, for those of you listening to this, maybe you don't know the backstory, but every once in a while, Esther will say something. It, it Get these social justice warriors or Asian American groups really angry. Are, but they, it, are they social justice warriors or are they just angry Asians? Social justice ninjas. <laughs> you know, because what is a social justice warrior? Somebody, when I think of social justice warrior, I think of a white person yeah. who gets offended if you insult black people or Asian people or they get, social justice warriors get yeah. offended on behalf of other groups. Isn't that true? Th- yeah, I'm sure... Like any other group, there's a percentage of people who are genuinely concerned about people not being mistreated. But there, but there's also a group of people within that group. It's a way to get attention, I think, mm-hmm. you know. And have you ever thought about these uh, um, Asian-American men complain about you? They always, they're sensitive because there is, I mean, this is a fact. Um, historically speaking, Asian men has, and Asian women too, that we are mistreated in this country. 
Is it is it as bad as Native American and it's black like, people? It's no, it's like joining a fraternity, being like, I was haze when I got yeah. in. It's like, yeah, we live in America, where you know you can seek out the American dream, and the streets are paved with gold, and yeah. you have the same opportunity to make it as anybody else here. And it's that you know that's the promise of this country. Like, yeah, there's no other country like America. But you know. These guys who complain about Asian men being emasculated, I, I kind of wonder, the, the, those guys who complain about that, I think some of them, if they were born and raised in Asia, they were probably got emasculated there too. It never occurred to them. By who? Just, there maybe are pussies, no matter what. They would have gotten maybe ema- they got emasculated by... Buff, other Asian people, by you know? By buff Asians. Yeah. Right? It's like, the thing is, these group of people... They want to play the victim and blame me for their problems, which I think is hilarious. And these people, then I quote their tweets. Yeah. And then I'll tweet out my response to it. And then I look later in the timeline and they deleted their tweet because they can't handle my people coming after them. Yeah. And they're upset stuff that you're saying. But I'm kind of annoyed with their arguments too, you know, but... They're entitled to say whatever, you know. But I don't know why it's such a big fucking deal, you know. I mean, I don't know why they're so upset with you, really. Like, I, th- I think a couple of my friends got mad at you, mad at me for like... Being friends with me? Well, I mean, re- retweeting whatever you're saying, you know. Like, if I retweet something with someone, it doesn't mean I agree with them. Yeah. You know. I thought it was interesting s- statement. That's it, you know. I don't know. I mean, you, I said this before. Like, if you're a real Asian guy, if you get mad by anything that Asian woman said, a real Asian guy wouldn't be mad, you know? Right. Now you're deteriorating. Your masculinity has deteriorated. Deteriorated. <laughs> deteriorated. You say it. <laughs> deteriorated. Because, you know, we, we joke about this before, but like, if you get upset by what Asian women say, you're basically saying they have anything important to say. Most Asian guys don't even care. Like, in people in Japan, if they read that, they wouldn't even respond to that. Like, it's just, just like, who cares, you know? Yeah. They're really sensitive. And it's not like on the, not in the 99th and 100th time they complain to you, you're going to say, oh, my God, I was so wrong. That's never going to happen. You know, it is so funny because they're like, well, she allows Asians to be made fun of, and she makes it okay for white people to mock us. And it's like, people, first of all, it doesn't happen that often, okay? Like, yeah, I got made fun of when I was a kid, but in my adult life, (coughs) do I regularly face racism? Not really. Like, maybe when I was in school and somebody copied off of my test or... People are like, but Asians have positive stereotypes that we're hard workers. We make the most money out of anybody in this country. We in average, yeah. Are, we are hardworking. We are intelligent. You know, we're good at math. We have good credit. Ha- like racism for us is not a real thing as much as it is for Black people. Yeah, I mean, you know? if, like if, we're if, not. If, our lives are not threatened on a regular basis. Like. I feel like the racism we face is more um, childhood, like tauntings, than it is anything that we experience in our adulthood. It's it, really, and, and these Asians who are mad about it, they're still so butthurt 
about the white kids who made fun of them when they were in fourth grade, calling them a chink. Now, now to, to be fair, you know, what, what did they say? Like, um, shark attacks happen one out of three million or one out of three and a half million. Some some really big number. But it, but if it's happening to you, that number doesn't mean anything. You know, you, you're in a fucked up situation. So I'm not saying... I'm not saying they don't have a right to be hurt, you know, but you got to put this thing in perspective, right? I mean, it's, I don't know, maybe my, maybe I'm just a, have a thick skin or something, but I just, it's it's really not that big of a deal. It's really not that big of a deal. It's really, there's like, like most people are not like actively seeking out Asians to like mock. Yeah. You and even if, even if they tweet you or me on something negative, it's, at the end of the day, it's like, I don't know. I just don't really care enough. And even before we recorded, I was just curious. Like, I'm sure in the beginning, when you're younger, maybe it bothered you. But you reach certain age, like, you know, you you see bigger picture, right? Well, not only that, but I benefit from reverse racism. Like, yeah. people always give me the benefit of the doubt. They're like, oh, she's just a harmless little Asian girl. Yeah. And so I really think that we have no right to complain in this country. Yeah. It's not like my parents built the railroad yeah. you know and like i got made fun of just like they did too in but fact if, if anything for me it would have been worse if i had lived in japan for sure why because i don't think i am what you call traditional career track and it would have been tough and not to mention the neighborhood i grew up it would have been bad i mean most of my friends and some of the family members went a certain career track that, I mean, you know, they're criminals. And I mean, I think that's one great, one of great things America. It does give you a lot of options. One of option. the great things. One of the. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I think it would have been terrible for me over there. Yeah. I, I look at my cousin's lives and like, you know, this thing called, there's a Japanese word called gaman, means indoor like even if you're in a situation that you don't like, it's not really part of the culture to complain. So you just kind of keep taking that shit and just live the life. You know that's how it is in Japan, and I think probably true in Korea too. You know. Right. Well, that's the thing. I'm. I was born in the United States. Yeah. And I was raised in this culture. Yeah. And I grew up reading Glamour magazine. Yeah. And feminist books and. I was immersed in this culture. What do you think would have what would have been for you if you were born raised in Korea? You think you would have been this aggressive on your opinion? No. No, not at all. I would have been a different person. Yeah. Would it wouldn't you? If you were born and raised in the United States, wouldn't you be super different? I think so. But I was I was a Trouble kid, you know, I was very defiant from young age. I used to get beat up every day almost. Yeah. There's a group of kids that you don't act normal. So what they do in Japan is they just beat you until you change. Yeah. That's how it works over there. So it's great here that so many different kinds of people interact. And, you know, if you just hang out with the people you are compatible with, you'll be okay for most part. Mm -hmm. But you just don't hear these terrible things the Asian people do to each other. Because they just kind of hide it. I know. And I'm that's, actually... That's the part that they don't know. I know. And I'm actually, like, bringing light to some of the issues that exist in the Asian cultures and never make it onto the statistic boards. Yeah. And 
these people that attack you, I bet you most of them probably don't know anything about Asian culture, much less knows the language, live there. You know, no, they, but not only that, they're, they're they were diff- also born in like 1992 and their parents never even laid a hand on them. Yeah. And they're part of a generation where the parents actually tried to be good parents. Yeah. You know, so people look at me I know anything about and that. all my nasty <laughs> tweets about like my parents and, yeah. you know, all the shit that I talk. It's like, I'm, I'm just, you know, if you had my life, you would feel the same way too. Right. And, um, oh, who said this? Donald Ritchie is one of my favorite author. He was American. And during World War II, if I remember, right, he had an option of either going to Europe or Japan to um, working for U.S. military, military intelligence and translation, things like that. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go to Japan for a little bit, didn't go to Europe. Well, he ended up spending the next 45, 50 years in Japan and learned to speak the language, knows Japanese culture, and he was even um, became friend with Akira Kurosawa, the, one of the greatest Japanese director. And he said the reason... Japanese women are far better actors than Japanese men. It's because Japanese women from day one's been been told um, what to do. They're they're used to being directed they, by they, men. But they've been they've been the way they've been brought up. They know that if they love something, you don't you don't express those feelings because men will take that away. So you pretend like like things that you hate, and. You, you pretend like you dislike something you love. That way they can take that away from you. And acting is about simulating emotion that you don't really have, but make it look real in front of camera and, and stage, right? Mm-hmm. And I think Japanese women and Asian women in general, they've been raised like that. So they kind of have to learn acting, even if, if even if they're not actresses, you know? Yeah. And I think, for me, I, I always look at the big pictures like, no matter how many things you say, I just look at the big picture and say, I've seen, I grew up, I've been to Korea and in Japan and how women get treated. I just, no amount of you attacking Asian guys, even if, if it's some of the things are not fair, I just can't even take that stuff serious. Because no, I think like it, women I think, really are very mistreated in the Asian com- community. Yeah, and I think I think it's okay when you're, when you're suffering, it's okay to lash out. I'd rather people lash out to keep it in, you know. And yeah. um, I just think we had this serious conversation. I think some of the things, and once I got to know you, I understand. I don't have a problem like you laughing really loud in public because it's almost like you're making up all the miserable time you experienced in childhood, you know? I have a younger cousin. I remember when he was a kid, fun. He was a fun kid, loved life. And just like a little hillian, you know? Like every time I saw him, he was just yelling in a good way. But I think the last time I saw him, once he had 14, 15, adult responsibility came to reality. That fun part was gone. And you're a, you're a fucking 14, 15 year kid. You're going to be serious for the rest of your life. Like the whole society and the whole system is just put those people on that unhappy track, in my opinion. I mean, they could be happy for their version of it, but I just think America is the only country in the world where we have life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. You don't have that in North Korea or Russia. They don't, it's not even, they don't have a right to pursue their happiness, you know. We have a luxury here, so. 
Yeah, this is the only country where you're provided happiness. <laughs> <laughs> Not provided, but you, you, you... You're promised happiness. You, you, it's okay to pursue it, you know, but... It's encouraged to pursue happiness. Yeah, it's, it's a normal thing, but... This is where Disney World and Disneyland are, okay? <laughs> so... So, you know, if, if I meet those guys that are attacking you, may, maybe they're reasonable, but um, I don't know. I just... The funny thing is, they can't even... They, they give you all the stats. You know, this one time this guy got on the train in New York. Yeah. And he came up to me. He's like, hey, are you Esther Koo? I was like, you don't even know that it's me. I could have just been like, no, who's that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Was, this, was that an Asian guy? Yeah. Yeah. But the way he said it, I yeah. was like, yeah, you got a problem with that? <laughs> <laughs> but and, these guys are not used to that, though. And everybody. Well, but the thing is, I'm culturally American, you know? Oh, and, no doubt. And they want me to act old world Asian. Yeah. And first of all, these Asian cult within like, OK, Japanese people hate Korean people. Korean people hate Japanese people. Whatever. So uh, and Chinese people hate Japanese people, Japanese people hate Chinese people. So yeah. we don't even have harmony within the Asian uh, countries in Asia. Right. And I think young people. And all, I, of, and all of a sudden, you want to come to America and everybody support each other and get along. Yeah. It's like we don't even get along over there. So why would we get along over here? I think young people are changing in Asia too. But generally speaking, you're 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 right about that. It's like your mom telling you, like, okay, now go be friends with your brother in high school. Like, yeah, no, no, we never even hung out in grade school. Sure. So. So what happened to that guy? Um, he was like, well, I'm not gonna beat you up, but I'll send my sister to beat you up. You should have just slapped that fucking piece <laughs> of shit. I should have. I should have just punched him in his face. Yeah, before he said anything. And you should just slap and say, listen, faggot, you have nothing to say to me. But um, I've had people complain to me, but they don't realize how tall I am. So I think as soon as they find out who I was, I don't know how to fight. But like they're always surprised how much bigger I am to most of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so nothing, nothing happens. And no, they're, they're, they're only brave on the online, you know, cyber bulls. Yeah, bulls, <laughs> bullies. No, balls. They have balls, right? Oh, but, cyber balls. Yeah, but when well, you when they so meet funny. you in the when they meet you in person, they're not going to do shit. You no, know, it's so funny because even when they're insulting me, they compliment me. They like regurgitate my yeah. credits in the tweets that they write. They're like, "She's a bully," and like, I get off on being called a bully. Like, thank you. I like that. That's like part of. But what did you? But what did you? What are you bullying about? You're just expressing your opinion. I, if a man doing it, they say, "Oh, he's being assertive." But if you do it, what did they say? You're being cunty? Um, I'm being... Being a self-hating Asian? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, as if we're supposed to be proud of where we come from, no matter where you come from. It's like, what if you grew up in a really misogynistic culture? Yeah. Hey, I'd rather be American. One, I don't assume every time they attack you that they know their background that well. And if, if they did, they should be a little ambiguous about the whole situation because their things are wonderful in Asia. But if you ever went and lived there, there's things that are very questionable. It's really fucking questionable, you know? And you should be a little, little bit more reflective and just be a little... Uh, well, it's funny when they... Um, compassionate about it. When they call me, like, whitewashed or a sellout or... 
because I can tell these are Asians who only talk to other Asians. Yeah. And I would have, I might have turned out that way if I grew up in Chicago proper for the rest of my childhood, but my parents moved out of Chicago. Yeah. And moved into this primarily white Mexican, you know, Italian, Polish, Irish neighborhood. So, AKA Chicago. <laughs> so I grew up. <laughs> Exactly. So I grew up very um, around. Uh, we were the only Asians yeah. in my school, my family. So it's like, what was I supposed to do? Yeah. Only talk to my brothers and sister? You know, it's like they they don't want me to like talk to people outside my race. But you know, just because they're attacking you, it doesn't mean there's other Asian people that they probably do agree with you. They just want to speak 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 about it publicly. You know. Yeah. We all done shows where. You could tell some of the audience members don't like the material because it's a little edgy or maybe racially uh, heavy overtone. But there are people that enjoy it. They're just afraid to say anything public. That's the time we live in. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't. I don't think you did anything. I don't have a problem they expressing their displeasure. But I don't know how many of my friends stopped talking to me because I'm friend with you. Who? They're, they're, like they're, real life people? Yeah, they're just mad at me. Like who? I don't want to mention their names. I mean, I don't know. They're just what I mean. It doesn't make me sad, but like, I, I, your dad, dad really ass hurt about it. For fuck's sake! Oh my god! I have friends that like they voted for Trump. I don't agree with them, but I'm not going to be stop being friend with them. You could, you could have friend with people that you don't agree with. Oh my God! Are they you even said serious? like that's that's wrong, Yoshi. You shouldn't you shouldn't agree with their like. I didn't say. I mean, I agree with you some of the things, not all the things, but um, yeah. One of my friend New York, he stopped talking to me because what? Are yes, you serious? Yes. No way. And I think it has something to do with um, two things. One, I re- I retweeted something to you say, and one other one was something that Trump said. Oh my God! You know, it's like people got along way better before the internet ruined everything. Where you didn't know what your thoughts were, yeah. you didn't tweet them out every two seconds, and we just assume like other people are like we like people who are like us. So he's so offended that you yeah. agree with me. Yeah, it, it, to me, it's a little infantile thinking, you know. Like yeah. pe- when people have a discussion, if you have an honest conversation, sometimes they're gonna say some idea that they hold that is offensive to you, but. That's what being adults, right? You you exchange ideas, and uh, you know, <laughs> but they got they got so mad. Like, all right, I mean, oh my god, I've known you for ten years, but now you're gonna stop talking because some I don't know. Or, oh all right, oh my god, I, I didn't think, cry or anything. It's just like god. I think that is so childish. And they've said stuff that I don't agree with. Like, all right, I don't agree with you, but I'm not gonna cut them off. Oh my god! Wow. So. You've been brainwashed to her, like no, I just, th- I think, I just think people are allowed to say whatever. You're being brainwashed. What? <laughs> they call, they say you're being brainwashed by me. I brainwashed you. Well, when whenever I do shows, like there's always someone's gonna get mad, and they say I say that because I'm brainwashed. So if I say something about Latinos or Jews or Native American or Middle Eastern or Black people or Asian people that they don't like, uh. There are people who laugh if, if I'm not talking about them. But whoever get mad, they will say like, either you're racist, 
those are those are the words that they're trying to shame you. But I don't feel I don't care, I don't care when somebody calls me racist or you're intolerant or you're anti-Muslim or blah blah blah, you know, or anti-gay or whatever. Um, it's, it's so strange. Like Jim Norton said this good point. Like you could play a character in the Mississippi Burning playing racist. Everybody knows he's just acting. But when you stand up and say something, they automatically assume you believe that. Mm-hmm. Some of the things I do, but. But these are jokes. jokes. Like they're crafted yeah. to make you laugh, whether they're true or not. Yeah. So, you know, I did a show in Vancouver, Canada with Jason Riles. Phenomenal. It's I got as dark and blue as I could. Canadians could take the jokes. I did a show in Oakland in Seattle. They cannot. And God. I think everything have to do with the colleges something happened last 10 15 years where these college kids are being brainwashed and it's not just college it's grade school and high school too yeah. there these teachers and professors are incorporating a um anti-bullying uh propaganda yeah so everybody's a victim now and everybody you know has a right to stand up to their bully yeah. and protect other people from being bullied and it's like yo Bullying is part of comedy. <laughs> well, you know... There's I, always a target. I graduated from Evergreen State College in 1993, and there was this white professor. I forgot his name. They made us something about the minority day. So if you're a white professor, you can't show up to campus or something. And most uh, all of the professors at Evergreen didn't show up, except for one guy. And he got big trouble because... Um, you know, they told like white professors don't show up or something, and I don't know what happened. I don't know if he got fired or they're har- harassing people. But when I was in college, it was usually professors motivating young people to protest. You know, I was in Seattle in 19- right. 1999, a WTO thing where I saw 80, 90,000 angry people in downtown Seattle. It was crazy. That's the first time I seen. Something like that in, in North America, you know, and something's not in this country. But these days, it's it's not the professor that provoking students; it's these young people who think they know what's going on, and once get this idea, you know, they protest and try to control, and it's like insane asylum, you know. It's like the crazy people are running the whole place now, you know. It's like one kid saying that's fine, but if when you have hundred. Uh, you know, it's 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 like a swarm of bees. You know, like yeah, you, you can't taught, even control it. They're taught that you you can't. It's not good to be mean to people. Yeah. And you know, when I was in school, and I kind of had a thought like, hey, maybe teachers should step in when kids are fighting, and they never really did, unless there was a fight in the cafeteria. They yeah. would, like Break it up. But for the most part, like. You know, people made fun of me all the time in yeah. grade school and right. high school verbally. Yeah. And they and the teachers never stepped in. Like the teachers heard it, I'm sure. It was yeah. very open and the teachers are always there. And, you know, I'm fine with that. But now everybody's like protecting the everybody acts like they're everybody's such a baby. It's 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 um counterproductive because I think you're indirectly making them weak, I think, you know. Like in Japan, first week of September is the one of the most dangerous time of year for kids because they're going back to school, and uh, a lot of kids kill themselves because they're they just 
dread going back being one of those so-called weird kid and um, they will pick on that kid until that kid changes I mean that's how they think over there and there was no help when I was going to school in Japan so eventually I was crying so much when I was walking home almost every day getting beat up by four or five kids there was a local like a mob type of guy Yakuza guy saying if I hear crying one more time I'm going to kill you so like so I had no choice to do something about it and he he helped me deal with it which is if you have four or five or more kids attacking you you can't fight all of them you pick one kid just hurt that kid as much as you can and make the rest of them think twice next time oh that's a great strategy yeah so he he helped me with the umbrella he put a bunch of um heavy metal inside and kind of wrapped it on for me and then i went to school then i think it happened like next couple you made a weapon out of an umbrella yeah, he put a heavier metal rod thing inside, made it really heavy. But it looks like umbrella, but it was like heavy. It's like uh, it looks like an umbrella. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. So I was running once again. I'm running away from him, and when the one of the, the leader, he grabbed me. I turned around, and started beating him over the head for a while, and I, I think a couple of kids were started hitting me. But once they really saw the savagery. I'm not a like aggressive kid when I was a kid, but like I I just knew like enough is enough, and teachers didn't do anything, so I just beat him until everybody just ran, and uh, that shit stopped. Of course, a couple of days later, you know, my parents would go apologize to the bully's house. Oh God! And then kid. you beat your parents up. No, <laughs> they took my money and we had to buy a cake oh my god what and i had to take it Why? over there and apologize then uh day before the mom showed up and he the t- mom and the teachers are yelling at me not knowing that her son and those kids because the way my mother raised me i was so different from other kids obviously i'm my mother's growing up in seoul korea so you know, if you no, that's not an obviously. We don't know that as an obvious point. Well, I mean, you you, you don't want to stake out. You know, but could they tell that you were kind of Korean? Well, yeah, because my mom my mom would do things like, hey, um, he was she, my mom would say like, oh, you remember the toy you want to get? I, we'll we'll get you that toy. Oh, you know, I get excited. Whatever the toy of that month but she said you have to get first haircut or whatever okay so they're dang they're cutting and doing weird shit to my hair i don't know what's going on because i'm just a dumb kid then of course as soon as they're done i got this fucking curly ass hair looks like afro because she thinks that's cute it's not cute when you go back to school when you look so different from everyone else in japan you don't want to stick out you know so the saying is the nail that stick out must be hammered in. Mm-hmm. If you stick out, the society have obligation to put your place and be like everyone else. Don't think you're better than ever, anybody else. You know? Yeah, is that the motto for Japan? Like, what is your like here? It's I think pursuit. that's true in China and here's, Korea too. Here's the pursuit of happiness. Like, what what is a phrase that embodies the Japanese culture? Conform. Oh yeah. Right. Conformity for sure. They value that. You did. They, they, they just want you to be like everyone else. Yeah. That's why maybe they resent you because you don't want to be typical Asian girl. Shut your fucking mouth. 
do as I we tell you, and you know. But I I remember first night we when we met you I did a show people laugh, you went up it was funny, and it's not that we're comedians because we just make make audience laugh because we both like laughing too. Because I've been told from a young kid, like, are you are you just a crazy person? Why do you laugh so loud? Because I'm happy and it, that shit makes me laugh. Like, they're even trying to control how loud you laugh, you know? And you're not doing it to be obnoxious. That's just you. And people get so, people <laughs> people get so, get so, so mad. mad. Yeah. But white, a lot of white people get mad. Yeah, but... I get it, shushed by a lot of white people. <laughs> by their dirty looks. But what is a laughter? It is a joyous occasion, you know. Like they said that there's a lot of miserable people. Yeah, like the I, I don't I read something psychologist today that the the number of time kids laugh versus the dough is such a huge number every day, and I think don't be childish, but be childlike, you know. Um, kids they appreciate life when they're having a good time, you know what I mean. And I think I I really like when I saw you do that because I think people it's so, so weird like there's I'm not gonna name names but there's plenty of comedians who are very successful in business but they're really not personal like if you're spending time with them they're not really funny people and they don't seem to love laughing they just found the talent they really work hard and they get shit out of it but. We know people like they're very successful in this business. Like I don't know who you're talking about. You're gonna have to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're just not fun people. They just they get mad when you laugh. Laugh. It's weird. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, shut up. There are believe me. There's so many of them. Comedians who don't like laughter. No, no, they don't laugh themselves. They're in comedy business because it's just money and business. Oh, but are they comedians? Yes, but when I talk to them privately. They're not funny people. They they know how to get laughter on stage. There's a lot of not funny comedian like there's a lot they of get laughter. There's a lot of people who are comedians who are not funny off stage. Yes. I've seen it happen where girls come up to guys after shows. Yeah. And be like you're so funny and then this look of confusion falls over their face like how come he's not funny anymore? Right. It's almost like That's uh, why it's called act. Yeah. I see them get confused. Yeah. It's like a clown taking off his makeup. And is there any other Asian female comedians that that's what you do? Like, get, they get in trouble saying that? Because I know that there's a couple other Asian women, female comedians, kind of disrespectful to you, or uh, I don't want to mention their name because they don't need any publicity. But... <laughs> oh, my God. But, like, what the fuck, you know? It's like, you're in the same boat. Like, why don't you help each other? Well, that's not a thing of the Asian culture, which is why another reason why I don't I don't really like the Asian culture. Like it's I find it to be backwards because mm-hmm. if you grew up in America with American values and you know, you grew up with these beliefs of pursuit of happiness yeah. and different is fine and celebrate, you know, anybody yeah. who's different and stuff but like that but when they say like Asian people like they're hard working like but why is, what, but, but why do you act like that's specifically only Asian people's culture plenty of other race work really hard too you know but 
I just think it's just uh, a larger percentage of Asians work hard. Like Asians have a very low unemployment rate. Well, you know, <laughs> like it's just me. It's I don't. Ha- I don't have a job for six years. Me, me and you. Me and you bring the unemployment rate down. We're, that's that's really what we're bringing. Uh, how we're bringing shame to the Asian community. Yeah, like even even you know when I went to the medical testing today, I I. Ac- I do not act like rest of them. So I think the rest of them. The rest of them. <laughs> and this lady who runs that medical lab, she doesn't like me because I don't. I'm not deferential. I'm not rude, but like, I don't want to pretend like. What does deferential mean? Like always showing respect, make sure everybody feel comfortable with each other. You follow the rule. You know, there's a, a certain. Each each group have a certain way of uh, way of uh, conducting yourself in publicly, but I don't. You I don't, don't behave well. No, no, but just like I don't really care that they're being polite to each other or small talk because none of them ever say anything interesting to me. So like I just don't even. You just keep to yourself. Yeah, if say something interesting or funny, then I'll talk to you. But you don't, so don't waste my time. Yeah. You know. Like, you guys are around my age. Like, you live this long. You don't have anything interesting to say. It's not my fucking fault. It's your fault. I also hate talking to people on airplanes. I think it is so rude. Because nobody... When you talk on an airplane, everybody around you can hear what you guys are saying. Yeah. And you're fucking boring life. And it is always so boring. Yeah. Because your whole goal in talking to somebody on an airplane... Is to keep it boring. Yeah. Like, you don't want to like grab the attention of people behind you or in front of yeah. you. Yeah. If you're gonna be loud, say something funny or interesting. But yeah, why punishing me? You know. Don't punish the people around you by having this boring ass small talk. Oh, where are you from? Yeah. Oh, what do you do? Yeah, I sell gravel. Yeah. And then it's like that's why you should just shut up. Just put your headphones on and listen to something so we don't have to hear your fucking small talk. You're a woman, so I'm sure a lot of guys try to talk to you, but it's very rare that anyone trying to talk to me. You know, I'm almost reading or falling asleep or trying to sleep. Oh my God, I know. When a guy hits on me on a plane, it's really ballsy because everybody can hear what what we're saying and I could just humiliate you in front of everybody. How often does it happen? I mean, not often, but Hmm. it it has happened. And I just think it's it's kind of uncomfortable because now we're on this plane ride together. Yeah. You know, I have to say there was times. There were times. There were times. I times would, is plural. Was is singular. <laughs> <laughs> I would get my ticket upgrade to first class depends on where I was going. Uh huh. So, for example, if I'm flying from LAX to New York, that might be worth. If I have a you know bunch of miles or whatever, because you might find somebody interesting sitting next to you, and uh, I think a couple of times I did it, they were all interesting, flying back and forth between New York and and uh, L.A. Those are huge cities. I, I would say the chance of meeting something but interesting higher on. The... Oh, that's why you upgrade. Yeah, or, or going overseas. But if I'm flying, and I'm not trying to be mean, but Butte, Montana, or something. I don't think I would want to waste my miles for first class because I don't think that. Do be you any. keep in touch with anybody you've met on an airplane? I have a couple because there were one was professor, and other one was architect. Because I think that is such a weak connection. 
meeting somebody on an airplane. It's well, nothing. There's, there's nothing memorable about it. It's not like you met at a conference, at a comedy show, through a friend. There's literally no connection. Well, I think first class. I might. I I disagree with you a little bit. If it's first class, I think that that that's a little different. I think. Yeah, when I sit in first class, I don't talk to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I turn a little bitchier. I'm like, yeah, I'm in first class. Don't talk to me. I put my don't talk to me face on. Because one time when I was opening for Russell Peters in Australia, it was so strange because he, he was in first class. I was in economy class. Something happened where the whole family, mother and all the, her kids want to sit next to each other. So she, the flight attendant said, would you mind going to business class? Of course, that's, not, is that, that's a crazy, of course. So when I sat, that's how I met the architect you know, business class. And not to mention it was comfortable, you know, and most people pay a lot of money. Assumption is, if they're paying that kind of money, it's important that they need to go wherever they're going well-rested so they could do their job. So not always, but I would say two-thirds of the time I sat next to somebody interesting and have a good conversation. Now, it's a, it might be different for you because you're a woman because if you talk to a guy, they'll misinterpret there's no misinterpretation when I'm talking to men or women sitting next to me. It's but just a conversation. If a woman mm -hmm. strikes up the conversation first, okay, do you assume that she's hitting on you? No, not I don't. But do most guys? You think I would have? I think there's a lot of dumb guys. Sure. I would think a or, guy or, or, might, or, or a guy might be turned off. Like if he was wanting to hit on me, but I talked to him first, he'll be totally turned off because guys want to be the you know, predator. You think so? I think so. Okay. I think I think I neutralize things a lot because I I am aggressive and I do start the first conversation. Yeah. You know, and so some guy who might have hit on me, they're like, oh, never mind, because I'm. You don't so have to. You don't loud. have to. You don't have to give me a number, but um, all the guys you've you've ever dated. What's the percentage of that you actually initiate, like, want to date someone? Or, or is it always, like, a other way around? The guy said, let's go out. No, it's always the guy. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. Well, you're not that aggressive then. When, when you say no, aggressive... No, I mean, I mean aggressive in that, like, I'm not afraid to strike up a conversation yeah, with yeah. a random mm -hmm. guy. But uh, Right? It doesn't mean I'm hitting on him. It's probably I'm not hitting on him. Yeah. It, it just... When I see a woman making that move, like I was like, "Wow!" I um, I don't. I remember I was at the comedy. I don't know Nikki Glaser that well. I just say hello once. But I remember one time after the show, she after she did her show, this kid, no more than nineteen. Well, no, he had to be twenty one. Twenty one, twenty two year old guy, just say, "Hey, I want to take you out for dinner." And I was really impressed because. He was so comfortable with it. She was like, I think she was flattered, but also we were all kind of, wow, he was really aggressive. You know, just, just yeah. there's a bunch of guys sitting and say, hey, I want to take you to dinner or something. You know, right. yeah. And like, I was like, wow. He, and he was super young too. A lot of young guys can be confident though, because they Maybe. haven't, how much rejection has he faced in life? <laughs> right. Um, you know, Oppenheimer? Mm -hmm. He worked the Manhattan Project. When he was a young kid, 
he was into geology. So he's from New York City. So he's a Jewish kid, obviously. So he was six or seven. So he went to New York Society of uh, Ge Geology or something. And when he went up the front of the uh, room for like these, these are like all white guys, right? Geology, whatnot. They started laughing. But within a minute or two of him talking, they realized this kid is serious. Like he know what he's talking about. He did research, talk stuff on geology. And afterward, they clapped and like didn't see him as a kid anymore. Um, kids who grow up in that kind of privileged situation, they were raised from young age when they see authority like teachers or doctors, like the parents encourage them to be assertive and that talk to doctors. And like if you're a poor kid like myself, where I, I was not, I, they didn't raise me with a certain social grace, they, they didn't teach me any of that stuff, right? So like Oppenheimer from young age, he learned like, yeah, don't be shy. Yeah. If, if your ankles hurt, talk, you don't have to talk to your mommy. Oh my talk, God. I talk was, directly to the doctor, you know? I was so shy. Yeah. I was extremely shy. I could not talk to any stranger. Same way, because the way they raised us. The way they raised us, yeah. they act like they're the only ones that we're allowed to talk to. They yeah. had us like so controlled. It was crazy. And, and, and you're not supposed to question authority. You, you're not supposed to, you know... Um, challenge, challenge anything them. anybody who's older than you says. So traditionally, I'm st stereotyping, but Asians and Asian-American mathematicians, scientists, excellent. They do they diligent work, work very hard. But have you noticed most of the Nobel Prize winners tend to be Jewish? Why is that? Are, are, are Jews any more smarter than Asians? It's it's a culture of things. Rabbi and then their, their religion. I don't know, but that's a good game show. Who's smarter, the Jew or the Asian? <laughs> <laughs> right? Are you smarter than a fifth grader? Are you smarter than a Jew or an Asian? But but Asian pe people are very good at math and science if they go into those fields, but they don't want to disrespect their elders you know, only time you could break scientific discoveries, you question uh, whatever is the current theory and prove them wrong. You're not being disrespectful. That is the nature of science. But Asianness and Asian culture don't encourage that. You know what I'm saying here? Mm -hmm. So, so outside of science, anyone questioning any sort of conventional wisdom, there's a backlash, and that's some of the things you're experiencing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you guys, I'm a scientist, okay? <laughs> I'm a joke scientist. Korean Air, remember that incident like 25, 20 or 25, Mark and Gladwell talk about it. The two pilots knew the planes going to crash into side of the mountains, but their um, captain of the plane, I don't know, wasn't paying attention, but they don't want to be disrespectful to him, so they didn't say anything. So, so they, they ended up getting killed. So they died in a they, plane crash. Yeah, and it's chilling because audio version of that book, Malcolm Gladwell, minute and a half before clash, silence, forty second clash, silence, and like, and then both of those guys want to say it, but they can't say anything, and like, you know what I mean? It's so absurd. There is time to disagree with someone. It's okay to mention. Oh God, that is just fucking stupid. Why would you fucking die? Like, at that moment, be a rebellious Asian and save people's lives. Is there no value in saving your own life and saving the people on board's lives? They don't say anything. You know, um, there was this one 
I don't know which Mooney church or whatever. Remember, like two, three, four years ago in, in South Korea, there's a huge scandal where this ferry boat, everybody on it died because there was just too many people on it and lack of regulation. But people who are inspectors, they were just afraid to cause problems, say something, you know what I mean? That the, the result of it is people died, yeah. you know? So my problem was when I didn't agree with someone from young age, I said something. Then afterwards, I reaped the punishment because I didn't look like Resident. I didn't act like that. I literally stuck out because of too tall. Oh, my tall. God. When I told my... When I basically proclaimed that I'm no longer going to the church by wearing jeans instead of a dress, Yeah. they were like, we lost her. Yeah. They looked at me and they were like, basically asked me, is there anything we can do? I don't know if they asked me, but I, ha I have a feeling that's kind of what, like the pastor's wife took me out to lunch. Yeah. And <laughs> she, what's so funny? That's hopeless. <laughs> that's hopeless. She trying to uh, convince you to change back to uh, like everyone else. She was trying to like talk into be normal, right? Talk me into like going back to the church. Oh yeah, good luck with that one. <laughs> and and it it was like I had I had made up my mind. Like I knew I was confident. I'm never coming back. How old were you? I was seventeen. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. I thought you were going to say you were 11 or something. No, I know. It's embarrassing that I was part of it for so, so fucking, fucking long. Long. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to swear less. I was listening to my set the other night, and I keep saying, fuck this and fuck it that. And I love it. This. I swear way too I, much. I, I mean... There have been studies. They were saying that people who swear tend to be more honest. Oh, my than God. Them. You and your studies. I'm what? Just, I'm just trying. Is there a study that tells you... How can I cut down on my swearing? But what? what? <sighs> now, see, that's what I admire about Shark Tank. I have to talk about Shark Tank for every episode now. Um, <laughs> is that... Well, you know, Asians love shark fins. I've, <laughs> I watch Shark They're Tank. They're delicious. And Shark Tank, to me, is a really funny show. Like, there's many funny moments. Like, when these entrepreneurs come in, and Kevin O'Leary is kind of like the butt of every joke, and somebody photoshopped a picture of him on the beach with his, beer, with his like, body half naked, you know, with a, beer, a big beer gut and stuff. And it, there's just many funny moments. Like, when they reveal that, like, everybody laughs. And I just, what I like about it is that it's for the whole family, you know? Like... Everybody in your family from a kid to a grandma can watch that show and yeah. enjoy it. And, you know, it's not like just because they can't curse, they're not funny. Like, they can still be funny. I'm realizing I can, you know, I don't have to, like, swear every other word. Before we start recording, when you say you were going to talk about Shark Tank, I thought you were joking. You did? Yeah. Why? <laughs> because I thought you were joking. No, I'm... I've seen a couple episodes. I'm obsessed. I don't hate it. I'm obsessed. It's... I wish... I wish I would have started watching it nine years ago when it first came out. Wow, is it that old? I don't know if it's nine years, but they have nine seasons out. I see. So... Because these people, they're just... Uh, is it on it's, same... It's really inspiring to see all these people like working so hard yeah. and creating their companies. And also you just learn how to negotiate better. Sure. And you also, 
when you you basically see the show from the shark's point of view. Right. Because you see all these entrepreneurs walk in. Yeah. And you see everybody's presentations and you see what people's strengths and weaknesses are. Like, if they're really good at selling, they might suck at the numbers. Okay, can you hold, hold that thought because we'll go back to that. But... Um, remember when I was at Oppenheimer, those kids, he was raised to certain, be more assertive and it's okay to go after things that you want in life, right? Um, I've read over the years, like if you read Wall Street journals, why does Asian American men and women, uh, they don't get... Uh, why do? Why don't they get, why don't they get promotion in executive position? I think... For a lot of them, I don't think they were brought up to be that assertive or learn those negotiation skills, you know? Right. The stuff that you're saying on that show, because I, my family didn't, they only taught me, for the most part, terrible habits, really. And I don't remember them, like, teaching me, like, you know what I'm trying to say here? Like, I didn't even know how to put a tie because nobody ever did those things around my back uh, when I was growing up. So I had to get a book and figure out how to do it on my own. And, you know. I've never seen you in a tie. Yeah. Well, I haven't, I, I, I haven't been to court in a while. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I don't. But I, I, that's I, true. That's very true. It's like you're, you're taught to be humble and not to speak up for yourself. That's not a no. very Asian trait so, so I, when I, say, I so, imagine in a few generations yeah there will be more asian top executives and right. ceos and sure it's slowly in, changing in american fortune 500 companies but right now we're like the second generation we're still very asian like we grew up with very asian parents but in two three generations they're going to be all over because they're more american i think there's going to be people who will give you a hard time but i also believe you're going to be inspiration for girls who got tired of being told what to do and look if Esther Cook could talk, tell you to cool fuck off I'm going to tell this guy to fuck off too and I much rather live in that world where people have more options you want to be quiet be conventionation that's fine I don't have I don't have anything against it but if you don't like being treated that way and you want to tell somebody to fuck off good for you too yeah all right back to Shark Tank you okay? yes Stop, you're lingering on this Asian shit. Um, so, no, what were we talking about Shark Tank? How great it is. But, uh, oh, you see you see things from the shark's point of view, right? So you see when an entrepreneur comes up and starts presenting, like I saw this really, really annoying lady. She was bothering everybody. And these people who are the most annoying entrepreneurs on there, they're super delusional. They think they're the greatest you see them yeah. in the exit interview. You see that they're they can't handle the rejection. They're the ones who usually start crying right. afterwards that they didn't get a deal because they were not they were about to walk in there to get a deal and they're just super super delusional. So this one lady she had this um, subscription service for moms who are breastfeeding to okay. send to send them uh, breastfeeding clothes. Okay. Like shirts and dresses that have like openings near the boobs. Really? Yeah, but are like fashionable so that, you know, women can still feel like women when they're um, But does it look good though? It was nothing special, but it was better than, you know, just an alternative, which would be like a maternity, like a, you know, an sure. unflattering maternity shirt. 
So she had this brilliant idea, like she think it was brilliant. She idea. thought it was brilliant. Yeah. Okay. So she would mail these women, and then if you uh, these outfits, and then they would keep it or not keep it or ship it back. Okay. And none of the sharks were interested, and then she just kept talking, and the sharks actually were really nice. They were giving her advice, and she just had the. She just had no ability to listen to their advice. Okay, wait, don't say anything. Um, so when you saw that, and when she started crying, what was the reaction for her? What was, you thought it was funny, right? No, I thought, God, she was really, really annoying. Oh, annoying. Yeah. Because I think it's a similar kind of mentality when I used to watch American Idol. And clearly, some of them have no talent at all. But think they're talented. They're extremely talented. And the... the their friends and family members didn't want to hurt their feelings, so they didn't say anything. You know, just like I think Jay Leno said, laugh ears. The people who go up on stage, they get no laugh, but they think they heard laughters. I think there are people who are terrible, but they think they sing beautifully. Yeah, she was obviously really tone deaf. Yeah, like she just she couldn't even hear somebody talking. She couldn't even she like. Barbara even told her, like, stop talking. Yeah. We're, we're giving you advice. And, boy, she was probably the most annoying person who had ever been on Shark Tank. Yeah, because even if you don't get financial support from them, maybe they're giving valuable information to help you in the future, right? Because I don't think they're malicious people either because it's in their interest to find a business person with a good product or service so they can make money too, I would imagine, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what you do in that situation. They're just... Like some, of, some of these people, they literally, after their presentation, they were not expecting, like, no's from everybody. They literally have to be told, get out. It's really fun. That's why this show is so funny, though, because you see some of the people who succeed, and that's very inspiring. Yeah. And then you see the people who are delusional, and they fail, and that's funny, too. What What, what do you think because you... Because lo- I'm a meanie. But what do you... <laughs> Do you learn more from successful people or do you think you learn more from the the one who are not successful? I, I learn a lot from both. Okay. You see what not to do right. in business and you see what to do. Yeah. I see, you know, what happens a lot. I'm always surprised when this happens in later seasons. It's almost like, how could these people have not watched previous episodes to know what not to do? But some of these people, they lose a deal because one shark will offer them a deal and rather than... Rather than showing interest and negotiating with that one shark or taking that offer or, you know, working out something or asking questions, yeah. they'll be like, they'll look at the other sharks and be like, um, are there any other offers? Yeah. It's like, yo, you just insulted that one shark who is interested yeah. and you have to assume nobody else is interested. And you could keep the conversation open sure. and be like, well, would you be willing to do 20%? Yeah. And then other sharks might jump in. But I've seen so many people lose that deal because that one shark was offering them something. Then they look to the other sharks and then that shark, original shark said, you know what? You're not interested. See ya. Yeah. It's like, uh, even, if, even if you're a shark, you still want to be wanted. The couple episodes I saw because they were playing Southwest or something, there was two Korean American girls, cosmetic stuff. I think episodes were like between the last four or five years. They did a really good job because one guy showed interest like, oh, thank you very much. Would you do this percentage? Whatever. And I don't know. 
then they segue into like seeing if anybody else had an interest. So they were kind of going back and forth in a very polite way. I could tell they watched a bunch of episodes and know yeah. how to negotiate, you know, but you shouldn't insult them either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, I think watching that episode, I realized you're on the show because you have a goods and service you want to share with the whole world, but you need their help. But it's also the other way too. You need to figure out what the sharks, what what's their needs too, right? Like you want to make sure, reassure them. You know, I think I think those two girls did a really good job. Like this is what we need, but I also want to do. Hopefully, this will be a good thing for you, you as investor, too. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they were successful. I think the. What were they selling? Some promoting. The South Korean beauty products, you know, and I think K-pop and things like that. Korea, oh, I didn't see that episode. The South Korea has been very, very popular. And there's a lot of fair-skinned Korean girls, I guess, in South Korea with the products, I guess. Was it a brightening cream? I think it probably was that. I, I was more interested in like how personable they were and they were engaged and make sure everybody's laugh. I don't think... Who, who were? Uh, the sharks, but Mark, Mark, he he basically says this is not something I know a lot. Um, I think I'm sure it's a good product, but I'm not interested because it's not something he feel comfortable and know a lot about cosmetic business, you know. So yeah. he let the guy and the lady. I don't know what their names, but they they were going back and forth between. And I think that one of the guy is there a guy with the uh, no hair. Yeah, Kevin O'Leary. I think he's the one who made a deal with them, I think, if I remember right. Uh-huh. Isn't there like a three guys and a lady? Um, it switches. There's oh, two oh. ladies and they switch them out. Okay. Um, I think it was three guys, but yeah. Mark was saying like, this is not something that I know a lot, so I don't feel comfortable. Yeah, it's usually four guys. Yeah. But I like it because it's just, it shows that these sharks, they, ha- they have a lot of personality. Sure. And... You know, when you drive through rich neighborhoods and you see big mansions, you always, it's something like when you're growing up to, it's just easy to make fun of rich people. Like, because to me, they're always so far away. Yes. And I don't know any rich people. Right. When I was growing up. And And I've heard heard a lot of poor people say rich people is not, they could be, but more than anything, I met a lot of them, they're very helpful. That. That's um, how they portray rich people in movies. Sure. It's like Mr. Burns yeah. in Simpsons. and. Oh, scientists are portrayed really badly. They're always doing something like really weird to create monster, but that's not true. I to think... create monster, right? True. No, but because it's, it's easier to portray business people and scientists like bad people because most people are not rational scientists and business successful business people. So Hollywood is pandering to these people that don't know anything about that. And I think... If I have to make a positive and a productive um, thing to say about Shark Tank, that people who are poor that never been to business school, this is kind of opportunity to hear and see, like, oh, that's how they do it. Oh, it is so cool. Because if you grow up in a poor working class, how would you know that? You don't know. You don't know. And that's what I love about it is that... It's entertaining and you educational. See, you see these people and you see rich people in a different light. <laughs> mm-hmm. It really helps you because you these these sharks are really funny and have great personalities and can have fun and are actually very nice people and like help out the entrepreneurs even if they don't give them a deal they always give advice sure 
And two years, I think two years later, I find out Esther Cruz, executive producer of Shark Tank, <laughs> <laughs> the shadow lady. <laughs> but it's um, and and, and to me, mm-hmm. rich people were always so. Mysterious, uh, right? Yeah, mysterious. Why are they, why are they, and, why, why are they and rich and I'm una- not? And unattainable. Yeah. And, and you drive by in these mansions and you're just like, who gets to live in that? Yeah. Who, like, that is a fucking humongous house with 20 bedrooms. Who gets to live there? Like, I, you know, it just seems such a, like, unattainable thing. But yeah. then once you see these entrepreneurs who just started out, it, it's just really inspiring. Yeah. That, like, oh, my God. You know, you can become rich from nothing if you just have a really good idea. I met him 10, 12 years ago. Who? Mark Cuban. Oh, you did? Yeah. The company I used to work for, Evil Angel, had a party. But it was a party at this uh, really fancy bar in Vegas. And uh, we rented half of it. Other half was for like high tech. Because back in those days, consumer electronics show and the porn thing was the same time. So he was just walking around. <laughs> Why? Was that on purpose? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, but during the consumer electronics show, got so popular and expensive to rent, they stopped doing that because uh, the porn, you know, with the whole internet porn hurt their business. But I remember from 1999 until 2004, 5, 6, maybe, the consumer electronics show, one of the biggest high-tech event in the whole world, the porn thing was happening at the same time. So he walked around and I asked him, hey, would you mind taking, I just lied, but Mark, would you mind taking a picture with my girlfriend, Belladonna, one of the biggest porn stars? So he, he took picture and he was very nice about it. You said that was your girlfriend? Yeah. So she, she was laughing. She took a picture. It was a nice picture. He had no idea she was one of the Hall of Fame, the greatest porn star of all time, you know. And he was very, very nice. Like, oh, wow, she's very pretty. And like, you know, he then he walked around and talked to his friend or whatever. <laughs> he was really, uh, and that was one of the first billionaires I ever met. He was just so down to earth. Like, oh, hey, yeah, sure. Okay, well, nice to meet you, whatever, you know. Right. Yeah. I know. He is super down to earth, right? Like, I read in his book that he sits in the stands at his own basketball games, even though he's the owner. Yes. It's like most people become the owner so that they could sit in the VIP. No, he. I don't. I don't know if he. Uh, he wrote it in book. But one time he ran to the middle of that um, court because there was a fight between his team and somebody else. I've never seen any owner run in there. Well, what is he gonna do? These guys are like seven feet tall and six foot ten. Like he's and, big, so. Yeah, but he went there and like you know you're not gonna mess with one of my guy. And it's kind of nice to see your boss or whoever looking after your people. And for years, I read that um, even like 10, 12 years ago, he put as much money into facility, like the best equipment, the best food for the players, you know? Yeah. You could kind of tell. You could tell he was that kind of guy. And he was very smart. Yeah, if I was a basketball player, I I would want him as my owner. (laughs) And um, they have won championship, so good for him, you know? Nice. Um, Yeah, you know... That's what I like about Shark Tank, though. It's because... <laughs> what is so funny? Go ahead. You love that. Why don't you start a Shark Tank podcast? Suck no, there already is a Shark Tank podcast. Oh. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but people don't mind it when I talk about it, yo. So, so then, like, you know, did you have this when you were growing up? Like, if you see somebody in an expensive car, you just hate him I, not no. hate him not hate him but you just kind of like oh that rich asshole 
there's definitely prejudice among poor people against rich people. Yeah. Because and it's it comes from jealousy because we don't know how to be rich. So we'll just hate those assholes who drive Mercedes Benzes and BMWs. It depends who it is because if I think it's an older person, I figure like they probably work for it. I just don't like when I see 18, 19-year-old kid with like a Lamborghini or something, which yeah. I saw a lot in Vancouver, Canada. All those rich oh, Chinese. no way. They were so obnoxious. Oh, God. But if you're one of those Mark Zuckerberg type, do you really work on him? Success? Like, yeah. I, can't, I can't get mad at that. Like, good for you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do I look like a fucking communist? Like I don't I don't hate people their success, you know. It's just if somebody give it to you, then like it's a little weird to me, you know. Yeah. I don't think you're doing a good job raising your kid to appreciate things. Well, what is a kid with an 18, 19 year old kid, whether they're Chinese or from Saudi Arabia, driving that kind of car? Do you really think they really appreciate? I don't think so. I think so. You do? <laughs> no, I don't believe. I don't believe it. All right, well, thanks for coming by to do my podcast, Yoshi. Oh, has it been, uh, is, is it time? <laughs> yeah. And also, I want to thank you for um, telling me to do a podcast because... Oh, know, yeah. Now that all these Asians are coming after me again, I've gotten so much support from all of my followers. Yeah. You know, and just doing a podcast, it just helped solidify my relationship with people to really... Go to bat for me yeah. and defend me. So thank you guys all for defending me on Twitter against these stupid trolls. I think when these people get angry, I, I try to give them benefit of doubt. Maybe something happened to them. So I'm not minimizing them. I'm sure they're sincere. But I also think we're all adults. You have a right to say whatever, you know. So, um, But I'm also speaking from my firsthand experience. Like, sure. I was literally beat up. I had bruises on my body. On a regular basis growing up yeah. at the hands of my brother, who is an Asian guy. So excuse me for being racist against Asian guys. And of course, when I tweet something out about Asian guys, I don't mean every Everyone. fucking guy. Yeah. Just like, if a, I get along just with like you. if a black woman says, oh, all black guys cheat. She don't mean literally everybody, you know? It's, it's lashing out. Yeah. It's just an, an, an opinion that I have and that I would like for people to know. Yeah, and and when you're lashing out, sometimes maybe you say things are not fair. But I'd rather have I'd rather you let it out and don't keep it in yourself because fucking Japan people just killed them. Can I just tell a couple of dates shows? Okay, where are you going? Where are you going? I'm uh, next Wednesday. I'm going to Europe. So May 9th, I'll be in Copenhagen with Jimmy Earl Wahlberg Comedy Club, 8 p.m. That's May 9th in Copenhagen, and May 10th, I'll be Big Ben. And Power Comedy Club, two places in Stockholm, May 10th. And May 11th, we'll be in Oslo. Um, stand out Lily Campen. I don't know how to say that, but May 11th in Oslo. Um, so 9, 10, 11, Denmark, Sweden, and Norway. And if you want to know exactly where to get the tickets, I guess you guys could go Yoshi Obayashi Facebook or Twitter account. But yeah, I'm going to Europe for three weeks. And we're doing shows in between when Russell Peters are there. <laughs> Oh, you're not meeting up with Russell? Oh, I'm meeting up with Russell, but when he's doing his big show, we'll go and check out his show. But day before and day after, we'll be doing the shows um, yeah. in Denmark, Sweden, and Norway. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks, Esther. All right. Thanks so much. So go see him if you are in Norway, Oslo, or Sweden. Stockholm, Sweden, or Oslo, Copenhagen, Denmark. Oslo is in what? Sweden? Norway. Norway. I messed that up, but that's because I grew up in America. <laughs> 
This episode was brought to you by Speedweed. Speedweed is America's most trusted name in medical marijuana delivery. They have everything you need to get high, to relieve your sore muscles, to relieve your depression, to have fun with your friends. They have cannabis potion. They have cannabis oil to rub on your muscles after you've been working out too hard. They have sativas, which are my favorite. They have Jack Herrera. They have Purple Kush. Granddaddy Kush, Sour Diesel, they have everything you need to get high and they deliver it straight to your door. So check them out and go to www.speedweed.com. They offer same day and overnight delivery of medical marijuana throughout California. Well, hello there. Hi. Thanks for listening to my podcast with Yoshi. It was recorded a couple days ago, so the news of North Korea had not broken out yet. But Holy motherfucking shit. This is insane. Before I get to that, um, uh, I'll be at the Haha ha Comedy Club in North Hollywood May 1st. May 3rd, I'll be in the Belly Room at the Comedy Store for Crack em Up Thursdays on May 3rd. I'll be at the Bay Club in Miami on May 7th. May 20th, I'll be at Tao Comedy Studio in LA. On May 22nd, I'll be at Comedy Pop-Up in Burbank. And on June 6th, I'll be at Clive's Cafe in Miami. But, oh my god, I cannot believe the news about North Korea. This all happened so freaking, freaking fast. I am so relieved and so happy and I'm just happy for all the North Koreans who are our blood and who are our people. And it's been just freaking so many decades of misery for no freaking reason. And I think... Part of it is because Kim Jong-un and his sister, they studied in Switzerland and they could kind of see, hey man, the rest of the world is doing way better than us. Let's just admit that we were wrong. Look at South Korea, it's thriving. And Kim Jong-un stepped into soil on South Korean soil, shook Moon's hand, the president of South Korea, and then they even like held hands for a little bit and it was kind of awkward. Like, oh my God, this is freaking this is changing the world and this is I never thought I would see this in my lifetime I always hoped that it would happen this is like the Berlin Wall falling this is bigger than that even and um, the world is just a safer place now and it's just amazing oh my god so I am just ecstatic um, reach out to a fellow Korean, uh, like the Korean War is in our systems, it's in our blood, and now it's finally over. So let bygones be bygones. I actually tweeted at Yoshi and at Bobby Lee, and I said, now that North and South Korea are unified, um, will you guys have your summit? And maybe I'm the one to do it, because I think Kim Jong-un's sister had a part to play in reuniting North and South Korea and was like, hey, you guys, shut the hell up and let's just work this out. So this is life-changing. Like, so many families have been torn apart, so many people living in misery in North Korea, and I think the fact that Kim Jong-un is young, he... I think, to be honest, like, I think he was scared of getting murdered by Trump because... Like, I don't know, the U.S. don't fuck around, and we attack Syria, and he seemed like 
he's not going to put up with shit from North Korea. And although <laughs> I voted for Hillary, this uh, is really important and this saves the whole world. So props to everybody who freaking got this done. And uh, it's amazing. It's so fucking amazing. It is amazing. I cannot believe it. I can't believe it happened so fast. And they had a, um, they planted a tree together and they both poured soil onto the bottom of the tree to symbolize that let's live in harmony and let's build up our countries together and let's be friends. I love that. I want to cry. I really do. So maybe I'll smoke something here in Vegas and cry. I do want to cry because it is, I want to cry tears of happiness and joy because it's just, it's just been a long time coming. And the Russians are the ones who started it all. The Russians took control of North Korea and appointed Kim Jong-un's grandfather or great-grandfather as a leader and uh, brought communism over there. So, oh... Finally, it's over, and this is huge news, in case you couldn't tell. All right, well, thank you guys so much uh, for listening to Yoshi again on my podcast, and make sure you go to my website. You can go to kuinthegang.com, sign up for my email list, so I'll let you know when I'm in your city next, and I can give you updates, and I'm really into writing my email list now, so get on board, get on up. Thanks so much. See you next week. Bye.